Even when we feel like we're more over on this connected side of the spectrum, there's still room for us to go deeper. There's still opportunity for us to grow in a stronger connection to God. So we realize that there's always some room for us to, to dig in and go a little deeper. And the question then is, how satisfied are you with where you're at? If we're going to talk about connectedness, the scripture that jumped to my mind immediately was John chapter 15. Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. And I think that this is a brilliant analogy. And you're like, of course it's brilliant. It's Jesus. But seriously, like, this is a good one, right? Because you do not have to be a master gardener to get this. John chapter 15, Jesus talks about the vine, the branches, and um, I know nothing about gardening. But, but we have a crab apple tree in our backyard that for the last number of years has produced really incredible amounts of fruit. It does so well. And as little as I know about gardening, I know that if I were to grab a handsaw and go out and take one of the most productive limbs on that tree and saw it off, that limb is going to wither and die. And that is why Jesus' analogy of the vine and branches is such a powerful spiritual metaphor. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. It's not hard to grasp this idea that we need to be connected. And Jesus uses this language in a few places about remaining in him. Like in verse 5, you need to remain in me. So that part's not hard to grasp. This idea that we must remain in Christ is critical. That we need to stay connected to the true vine. We get that. The question then is, how? If we feel this sense within us, any sense of you know, prompting from God or, or, or longing that we could be a little bit you know, more connected, a little stronger in our connection to him, how do we do that? And of course, there are just, you know, unending sources of uh, we, we could we could turn to in Scripture to find information that would help us in in that regard. But I found myself drawn to Ephesians chapter one. That was until this morning when Brent took me aside and said, "You know, our Bible study's been doing Ephesians one, and we're all experts," because that's how Brent sounds in my mind. Um, so, so I, I thought, oh, great, I've picked the passage where, like, you know, there's a small group that are now a bunch of experts who can tell you after the service everything I say that's wrong. But Ephesians 1 is, um, uh, for me, was, was, a, was an interesting place to turn because I, I love so much about the Apostle Paul, right? Because I can relate to him. Like, Paul writes um, from the same side of the resurrection that we're on. 
So we share that in common with him and, and, he's, and, and his struggles that he shares about. I, 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 there's an adversity that, that, that he's gone through that resonates with me, that, that life can be challenging. And there's so many aspects of Paul that just, you know, uh, I think are brilliant that I, I, I really find uh, it helpful to turn to him, you know, in, in many ways in terms of his pr- the practical nature of what, what he's written. And... Ephesians uh, 1, being a letter, um, follows a format. We've lost the idea of format in, in, in our letters because we don't write letters anymore, right? Email, not a lot of format there sometimes, you know, certainly not in, in uh, instant messages or texts or any of that. But I can remember when I went to uh, college getting a uh, random house handbook as one of, my, uh, one of my textbooks for my English course. And that had all sorts of format and structure and examples in writing, and that included letters, and business letters had a particular type of format, you know, personal letters, different types of formats that you could use for letters. And in Paul's day, writing a letter, there was a format. And in this letter that Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, he follows a format. And he starts, of course, with the greeting, introducing himself, of course, and letting, you know, kind of addressing the letter to the church. and In the first couple of verses, take care of the introduction. And then he moves into a prayer, which was actually a standard format for letters at that time. And Paul's prayer takes the form of what one commentator referred to as a doxology. And I had to think about that term doxology because I haven't heard it in a very long time. But I used to attend churches that would have a doxology on the order of service. At the end, there would be the doxology. Anybody else familiar with that? So the one that I remember was a short hymn called Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow. Right? What's the next line? Praise Him, creatures here below. Next line. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. A lot of people know this. And then Holy Ghost. Okay, so I'm not alone. You guys know a doxology. See, I would have thought that that was the doxology, but it isn't. It's a doxology. Because a doxology is simply an expression of praise. And if we look at the example of that short hymn, Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow, you, you see, as it's, it is, it's a really a succinct expression of praise. And... There's some theology that's contained in it, right? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Acknowledging God as the author, right, of all good things. Praise him, all creatures here below. Acknowledging our place as created beings. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Talking about the other realm and the heavenlies. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. An acknowledgement of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it contains theology. And... Paul's doxology is an expression of praise, a prayer that continues beyond verse 10, but that's what the, the, just where we're going to take a look at between verses in three, 3 and 10 today. Um, Paul's expression of praise also contains some theological statements. And for that reason, it's a passage that I almost would naturally want to shy away from. But I got caught with this expression, in Christ. When Jesus talks about the need to remain in me 
as I remain in you in John 15. Paul uses a similar language in Ephesians 1 when he talks about the need to remain in Christ, the need to be connected. So I decided I would brave this because I think there's a few things that we can learn about being connected from what Paul shares in these verses, in this letter. So, um, the term above every other term that scares me in this letter is when Paul uses the word predestined. And if any of you are students of theology at all, you'll know something about predestination. You'll have at least heard the term. And the reason I would tend to shy away from it is because it can be confusing and it can even be contentious. There's lots of Christians that would not argue, uh, I'm sorry, would not agree, they would argue, on the, you know, the exact nature of predestination. Because it gets into some tricky kind of conversations about who's included, who's excluded. And I'm not sure that we actually need to go there to really appreciate what Paul is saying in this doxology, in this expression of praise. Because you have to remember the intention is to worship. It's an act of worship. It's not a systematic theology that Paul is writing. He's praising God for who he is. And when he talks about being predestined, what he's thanking God for, what is, is he's acknowledging is God's work of drawing us to himself. And what's really important to note about that is that it is entirely God's work of drawing us to himself. And if we're talking about being connected to Christ, that is the foundation on which everything is built. That we are only able to connect to Christ because of what God is doing. If we were left to this on our own devices, it would not happen. Paul is thanking God that he is drawing us to himself. And that is God's plan from the beginning. And I love kind of the way that this little passage kind of wrap thing, wraps things in a, in a neat little bookend. Look at verse 4. Somebody read verse 4 for us. He chose us before the creation of the world. So God was doing this before the world was created. From the very beginning, this was God's work, his intention, his plan. Look at verse 10. Somebody read verse 10 for us. So do you catch the end? At the end, at the fulfillment of all things, when it's all wrapped up, in Christ. So Paul is praising God for what he is doing. 
what he started with in the past, what he is doing in the present, and what he will do in the future. This idea that it starts with Christ. And I think that it's really, really important for us to think that one through just a little bit because uh, throughout this, these, these verses, there's this strong emphasis on grace and redemption. And, and we sing songs like Amazing Grace, but how often do we really stop and think about grace? That the significance of the lengths to which God was willing to go through in order to redeem us. I think sometimes people slip into some kind of faulty thinking on this, like like somehow God created the world and then the wheels fell off, so he sent the flood and tried to repair things with Noah and that didn't work, so, you know, eventually Jesus fixed it up. And that is not God's plan at all. God's plan is, was, and always will be Jesus. That from the beginning, before creation, that Jesus was the plan. There's never ever been a plan B. It's always been about Christ. In the beginning, now, and in the future. And when we think about grace, the grace that has been extended to us, that God knew from the very beginning the, the mistakes that we would make, the depth of the depravity that we are capable of. <laughs> and he set out all the same with grace. Like not just on his mind, right? But that is the nature of God to extend that grace to us. That he loves us that much. And that thought should be mind-blowing. So that, you know, connectedness starts with Christ. And it is entirely in Christ. Jesus himself said, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the author, the sustainer, and the perfecter of, 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 of everything, including our relationship with him. So, what, what can we take away practically from some of this? If, if you've imagined yourself on this continuum that, that you know, you feel like, I, I would love to feel more strongly connected. I'd like to move along a little bit this way. What, what can I do? I, I think that actually these verses in Paul's doxology offer some practical ideas. The first one is really foundational. It's the idea that being connected is grounded in Christ and depends entirely upon our becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and you have never made that decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ, that is step one in connectedness. 
any, any other feelings of connectedness that you might have are counterfeit if you have not taken the step of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you're in that place this morning and you're, you're feeling some prompting, you're, you're hearing God speak to you about that, we'd love to talk about it. Myself, Brent, or Ben, or one of the other elders would love to have some follow-up conversation and talk more about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have questions or you're not sure, that door is always open. If you've made that step, there's still a few things that we can learn from Paul's expression. The one that stands out to me the most is in Paul's doxology itself, in the nature of the prayer that he prays. Man, look at the focus and the intensity of Paul's expression of praise. Now, I compare that with my own prayers. And I have to confess, I find them lacking. I, I find that when I pray, oh man, you know what? It is almost entirely about me and my needs and my wants. And not all that often do I venture anywhere near this wonderful expression of praise that Paul has set an example of. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a one-sided relationship, but they don't work. So I, I realized the conviction for me in this was, clearly was, I need to make sure that I am endeavoring more intentionally to find expressions of praise in my times of prayer. That is definitely something I know I could do to help to increase my level of connectedness. That is one way that I can draw in deeper and closer. You'll also note that Paul, um, Paul has made this an act of worship. He sends this letter to the church at Ephesus, not to an individual. This is meant to be read in the church. And that is an act of corporate worship. So the implication here is, is the value of, of corporate worship. That there's an opportunity certainly for us to worship privately, but worship is something that Paul is affirming is done in a body of believers. His letter was intended to be read out loud, this expression of praise to be shared among a corporate group. And we have a wonderful opportunity to express our own worship corporately here. Like today, uh, as, as Arnie and the team led us in worship. Like Paul's example of worship uh, reminds me of, of, of how fundamental worship is because it sets our priorities in order. Like, we're, it's, it's, it's about worshiping God. So it forces us to sort of align ourselves in that way. It takes the attention off of us and puts it on Him where it's supposed to be. And, and, and you know, that, that's one of the great gifts that worship is for us.
So in terms of deepening a connection, I think there's an opportunity for us to deepen a connection in worship. Whether it be privately, in our own prayer, but also in the corporate sense, the opportunity, the invitation that's extended for us to enter into worship. And that sense, you know, of, of how important community is, right? As a, as a group of believers here in this church, like uh, recently you know, we've undertaken a, a membership process to help, you know, for us to really be able to define clearly, you know, what our connection is to this church. We have small groups that offer another way that we can connect and grow deeper with one another and also grow deeper with God. That there is a significant aspect to this connection. That to be growing deeper and to become more connected with God through Jesus Christ, he's invited us to do that corporately together. Another thing that I noticed in reading Paul's doxology, I mentioned earlier when I compared it to the hymn, Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow, that as, as, as expressions of praise, both make theological statements. So it's important to recognize that we have to know God in order to be able to express praise to him. We have to know something about him. And God has chosen to reveal himself to us through his word. And if we don't spend time in his word, individually and corporately, if we, if we don't do that, then we're really lacking something significant. Because if you want to use a relationship analogy, it's you can know a lot about somebody without actually knowing them. But you, you really can't know somebody if you don't know anything about them. You know, and God has provided his word to us as an opportunity to really uh, to get to know him through the way that he has revealed himself. And that is where, you know, it all starts in terms of our knowledge of him. So there's an invitation for us in connectedness to be able to go deeper by getting to know him better through his word. So if you think back to, you know, our kind of line of connectedness, where do you find yourself on that line? And you wonder about you know, what God might be prompting you towards. If you're, if you're in any way dissatisfied with where you're at and would like to go deeper, there's some opportunity for each of us, no matter, you know, where we're at, to be able to connect more deeply through prayer, through worship, through our, our corporate belonging to the body of Christ and, and through the word that, that gives us each, no matter where we're at, an opportunity to be able to take another step deeper in connecting. Father God, 
I just thank you for uh, this church and for everybody who is here today. Um, that somehow, Lord, that it's never by accident when we gather together, that we're in a place that you want us to be in. And Lord, I, I know that this morning that you have things that you want to say to each of us individually through your spirit. That as we take time to reflect and we enter into a time of uh, worship around the table, that, uh, Lord, that you, in this, in, the, in this time of worship and in the quietness, that you give us, uh, that there's an opportunity for us to be able to hear from your voice, Lord. So we just invite you to speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.